0: Hello and welcome to the Business Behind Small Business, the show that reminds you that just because you own a business doesn't mean you're a business owner. In each episode, we will discuss a common issue small businesses face and offer tips and advice from the perspectives of two business owners, one that built to sell and one that built to inherit. We are your hosts, Savannah Stone and Chloe Lee. There's a lot of business behind small business, so let's get to it. This is very close to my heart right now as I go through hiring for my own company at the moment. And I'm also hiring for my clients because we also recruit for clients. Last year was a complete head scratcher and with one fell swoop felt like the entire industry changed. In saying that, there are changes in hiring that you may not be aware of. So we're going to share our tips, advice, and pain points to hopefully help you hire right the first time, every time. Before we begin, we should note our disclaimer. We are not licensed financial experts, nor do we give financial advice. Anything we share with you here on our podcast, whether it be a personal experience or submission or advice, tips that have worked for us or that we believe would work for you should not be viewed as either financial, business or tax advice. We ask for you to do your research, have open and honest conversations with your company's own support providers, and make decisions based upon that. Throughout this broadcast, we will share our knowledge and give suggestions, and hope you will receive them as part of your overall research to better your own company. So, in saying that, Chloe, this has been something that you and I have talked about multiple times, and. Um, I, I know I say it with every episode, but this is like a really meaty episode. So <laughs> <laughs> I say that because it's true. All of our episodes are quite meaty. Yes. But this one is, is I feel like very spot on right now because it's not just a conversation that you and I have had. I feel like it's a conversation that I've had with a lot of other people in every industry that are having hiring issues. So let's start with some changes or advice that you may have seen due to the, Due to the pandemic, parts of it that you think will go away, parts of it that you think will stay and what predictions you may have on how it may continue to change. And of course, any advice you have on best hiring practices.
1: So prior to the pandemic, working remotely was was already a concept, right? There were businesses that were all virtual or had some kind of co-working space that allowed for the flexibility to work from home or go to a nice shared office like a WeWork or a Regis. So even before the pandemic, work remote wasn't a foreign idea, but, it, you know, even more so than just that, it actually felt like a really cool, exotic idea that everybody who hears about it, if you're the one working remotely, they'll give you that kind of nod and look that says, you know, you lucky devil, you get to work from
0: home. Yes, Yeah. that would have been me with you. <laughs>
1: So what I felt like the pandemic did was basically push the adoption of work remote from a steady uphill climb, if we were looking at it on a chart, to something that basically looked like a hockey stick. Because of the pandemic, the word Zoom and teens are now verbs because video conferencing is such the rage now. And then pre-pandemic, funny enough, I felt like it was almost offensive to offer somebody to meet by video rather than person. Um, So I'm actually really glad that it is a necessity because You know, to be quite honest, if you live in a high traffic area like we do, it's kind of nice not to be stuck in traffic.
0: Totally. I mean, anything, anytime you have a meeting, it takes three hours longer than I think it does for anyone else. (laughs) Fair (laughs) enough. So so you're like 30 minute meeting. Absolutely. I'm on it. Zoom. Sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So now with the pandemic, companies all had to adopt to their employees working remotely. And so that kind of meant that there was a lot of figuring out what to do with your company culture. Right. So how many companies tried those virtual happy hours and virtual Christmas parties last year? And how many companies do you think will try to repeat the same thing this year? Please
0: don't make me do that again.
1: (laughs) All I can say is my friends in HR have been stressed out of their minds. Um, having to deal with employees who are teetering on the edge of feeling safe or not safe to return to the office and trying to walk the fine line between compliance with local and federal laws and mandates and then the employee's welfare and ultimate job fulfillment. Not to mention the situations they had to deal with kind of just due to all the stress and anxiety that's a byproduct of being locked down for so long.
0: Mm -hmm. I know our our HR was on a hyperdrive with... All of the changes that were being made and then i mean last summer was the worst it was horrible
1: and it's still going Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. not ended yet and now it's i feel like now it's just like the second wave of it uh i mean not to mention just the second wave of the the virus in general but then also now companies are kind of getting to the point of like hey we want our people to come back and then kids are finally going to back to school, at mm-hmm. least more so. I think in our mm-hmm. state, this happened now, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so it just, I feel for them. <laughs> Do something nice for your HR professionals when this is all said and done.
0: That's why I'm saying this is a me, the episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. So Sorry. let's talk about what will stay and what will go. Yeah. All these new habits we learned during a pandemic. So I think in my opinion, I think what will stay is that people are going to start adopting much more creative work models than just your typical nine to five come to the office. Mm-hmm. So according to the Harvard Business Review, there are four additional models that I think we'll certainly see more of now in the workplace. The first one, they called it a clubhouse model. So this is like a hybrid model where the employees visit the office when they need to collaborate and then they return home to do their focused work. So mm-hmm. the office serves as more of a social hub where people can come together, meet, socialize and work. That's my
0: favorite.
1: I, I like that, too, actually. I felt like that was probably pretty similar to how we had it in uh, my company. It's just mm-hmm. a lot of flexibility, but offering like the ability to socialize. But yet you can kind of, you know, squirrel away at home and do the work mm-hmm. you need to do, but then still have that kind of water cooler space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The second type of work model is the activity based working. So in this model, employees work from an office, but don't have an assigned desk. So instead they spend their day moving between a variety of workspaces, such as meeting rooms, phone booths, hot desks, and lounges. That's an interesting, I feel like that's pretty popular in that shared office space, um, like WeWorks and whatnot, where they usually Mm -hmm. have like a, what they call like a bullpen. And basically you come in, drop into any kind of desk you want, work from there for however long you want, and then you can pack up and go home. Yep. Um, the other, the third model is called the hub and spoke model rather than traveling to like a large office in like a central business district, employees work from smaller satellite offices in suburbs and neighborhoods closer to where they live. So naturally this saves them on commute time to being going to a central office, but you still kind of have the benefit of having face-to-face interactions with your colleagues probably in the area that's close to you. That's a pretty cool concept too. I would imagine that's pretty popular, especially if uh, companies like uh, with employees that are nationwide kind of allows them the benefit again of, you know getting together close to where they are but not all having to travel to one large office in the city
0: well it kind of broadens your uh, your hiring as well so you don't have to hire or you don't have to consider people being close to the office you might find some great talent that's maybe two hours away and you know you can have a smaller satellite office two hours away and not lose out on the opportunity of having that ta- talent work for your company
1: And not to mention the uh, cost savings, right, of the standard Mm -hmm. living of somebody else living in a place that's lower standard living than maybe where your office is. You get a nice benefit. They see a nice increase in their pay. It's kind of a win win. Mm -hmm. And the last model is just virtual. So mm-hmm. in this case, of course, employees work from home or really anywhere they like, which really just kind of allows companies to really not have to hold on to an expensive commercial lease and continue to build on what they started during the uh, pandemic. So mm-hmm. I think we saw a lot of this happening because a lot of, um, especially in the commercial lease space, they're really suffering because a lot of these large companies have gone on so long working remotely
0: and fully fully virtual, they realize that they don't need an office anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's been me since the since the beginning. And I feel like last year was the best marketing I didn't pay for because (laughs) (laughs) because before that people be like, what do you mean you would do a remote? How do you work remotely? How do you do this remotely or that remotely? And then last year they're like, Oh, I get it now. Can you please do those things for me? (laughs) Yes. I and was I was great.
1: actually a little surprised how how many companies really had to scramble to figure out how to do it work remotely. Mm-hmm. I think because you and I, our companies were pretty much the same. I think, I well, I actually had a kind of shared office space, so I did mm-hmm. that whole, you know, uh, clubhouse kind of feel like I saw. I heard a lot of companies just, just didn't know what to do with all their people and all their equipment and how to, mm-hmm. you know, I think we had one company where um, all their people actually had desktops. So the best they could do is tell the people to come to office, grab your desktop and all of your equipment, all your wires and go home and plug it. Yeah. All right. So I think the other item that I think is going to be here to stay is really this kind of support uh, socially, economically, professionally, the support for the lifestyle of and the rise of the digital nomadic life. Mm -hmm. So, again, digital nomad was that very cool concept everybody heard about pre-pandemic. But I think post-pandemic, people are really gravitating toward this kind of life. I mean, mm-hmm. so much so that Airbnb, who went public at the end of last year, they put on this article earlier this year, which was kind of the talk for the week, essentially, about how their business is going to basically explode because people now, more than ever, are booking Airbnbs around the world for extended stays so they can simply work remotely from different location. I love this idea. I love it only because I was living it before the pandemic, so
0: I can't I I, just,
1: I I love this idea about how you know I was traveling abroad and I would work remotely abroad. now, the hours are a little tricky. I will tell you that <laughs> there are definitely a lot of uh video calls I had to take or like just phone calls I had to take at two a m in the morning, depending on where I was. But there was something that was really nice about the fact that I can just basically shut off my day, walk outside and realize that I'm on a street of some city that I am not familiar with and I can go explore. And there is just something so like freeing about that.
0: Oh, so- uh, I wish I could do that. But I've got like kids. So- <laughs> Man, what a great idea. I would That's- love, love, love to do that.
1: Well, so the cool thing is like with Airbnb, I mean, before it was really expensive to do this. So it's not like I've ever done this until we had Airbnb um, that was like more popular around. Mm -hmm. But because like before, if you had hotels, like, I mean, what are you going to do? get stuck in a hotel room like all day, every day with your kids? At least Mm -hmm. now with Airbnbs, you can basically book out like whole houses with rooms. And if you are willing to be adventurous, you can certainly bring your kids with you. (laughs) Bye. The one thing is, I think the reason why I feel like the support of this kind of life will, lifestyle will be kind of on a rise is that with this pandemic, I think it's shown us that yes, the world literally can shut down at any time. Yeah. And so it's really made us kind of value our freedom to travel. It's given us kind of a yearning to travel and enjoy different settings. You know, it's kind of like that that saying like you don't you don't know what the value of something is until it's taken away from you. Well, Mm -hmm. it got taken away from us for quite a bit of
0: time. (laughs) And pretty quickly, too.
1: I think because of that. I feel like more and more people are going to do that and companies will have to start supporting that more because if you want to get the talent and that person is looking for a work-life integration, rather than a work-life balance, then you're gonna have to accommodate for that. And honestly, as long as they're productive, who really Mm -hmm. cares? So I am happy to think about a few things that I I, I hope will go as soon as this pandemic is done. <laughs> <laughs> One, I think a lot of all this virtual get togethers are going to go away. The virtual happy hours, the virtual game uh, nights, the virtual, you know, uh, Christmas parties. I give HR kudos for trying to figure out all these creative uh-huh. ideas to kind of hold the company culture together virtually. But honestly, I think everybody's sick and tired of them.
0: Absolutely, and you know, last year they didn't have a choice. Like we didn't have a choice. Now we have a choice, and our choice is to not do that. Let's not do that again.
1: Oh, never again! Ugh. And then virtual networking events—I will never want to go to one ever. <laughs> That's just a terrible idea because like a
0: fresh, a fresh level of hell. I don't Absolutely. even know how
1: that that why. Uh, I mean, I get it. We had no like choice, but I don't even know how you're supposed to replace like that one-to-one off in a corner talking. Replace that with a breakout room or something like that. So I think those things are definitely going to be on its way out. The second thing is, <laughs> I hate to say it, elbow taps. You know, they were cool <laughs> for a few months. It's great. I get it. I, you know, I, I certainly endorsed it only because, you know, you wanted to be safe. But I really miss hugging people. Uh, um, I yeah. think that, like, and then not just even hugging people, but come on, man. I miss, like, a good old handshake. Oh, I yeah. one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, to be fair for the germaphobes such as myself, when I would do um, handshakes or like after the meeting or whatever, I would excuse when everything was done. I would excuse myself, go to the restroom, wash my hands go, and then get in the car. If if it, if, it, if the germs bother you, washing your hands is like the whole point of it.
1: Well, the great the one good thing is I feel like with the pandemic, I feel like everybody kind of questioned how clean they were beforehand. So there was a lot yeah, of things yeah. like that. So, I mean, I'm certainly more conscious. Like, you know, before a handshake with somebody, I'll, I'll go and like use the hand sanitizer just just mm-hmm. out of courtesy and just out of just like, why was I never doing this before? Like, it sounds wow. like a terrible idea. Why just go shake somebody's hand? I should sanitize my hand before I shake your yeah. hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that I think the handshake will definitely make a comeback and I hope it does.
0: Gosh, me too.
1: And of course, the last thing is like mask. Right. It's just it's not and trust me, I'm not against mask or anything, but I I just kind of miss seeing people's faces and being able to see that its entirety and then just see somebody else smile. I want other people to see me smile as like a nice thank you or just trying to pass on some positive vibes. It's just really hard to see all that with a mask on. And then, Mm -hmm. of course, not to mention, there's so many activities, it's just a little harder like flying with a mask Mm -hmm. on, all these things that, I mean, I really hope that we can quickly get to a place where we're all safe and we no longer need a mask.
0: Mm -hmm. It seems like we're, we're on our way there. I mean, that's a, that's a different conversation, but it, it, we're hopefully on the right, right now it seems as though we're on the right path
1: yeah so certainly i would say that you know once the pandemic's over i think that'll that'll probably go out the door
0: oh yeah well you know what was it the the roaring 20s were roaring because of people being tired of both the war the sugar rations the um the the spanish flu i mean there was a whole lot of crap going on in 1918 to 1921 and um after that it was like Good times for all, so I'm really hoping for the same thing. 100 years later, later, more, you know, raging 20s where we're just really coming out full steam ahead. So. I hope so. I feel like we've we've earned
1: it. It's been a very hard, you know, it's still going, but I mean, it's certainly mm-hmm. been quite a few months, and it's been really hard. And I think as human beings, we've 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 earned a little fun. So I hope you're right. I hope we get the what
0: was he, what'd you call it? The raging 20s? No, raging 20s. Raging 20s. <laughs> all right, let's do it. Yeah, why not? Uh, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like raging sometimes because I don't know, I don't know whether to laugh or to cry at this point. <laughs> hiring, hiring in the past was so much simpler in 2019 and the years previous to that. Gosh, last year really proved to be a completely different atmosphere. COVID aside, I believe the time people spent inside, not working, and left with their thoughts, it, it gave them pause and reevaluate what they want from life. I mean, I know I was one of those people. Um, You know, really starting to think about what are the things that are important. And um, many people changed industries or they started their own businesses. Many made the decision or the decision was made for them to do more remote work, which really changed the landscape and and the approach. And I think the uh, stigma of working from home really changed many companies decided that they didn't want people to come to the office to do their work which created this completely new industry of side work careers uh, the side hustles well i can't even call them side hustles cuz they basically turned I into think side in careers main
1: results, right they ended up being yeah
0: main i mean yeah <laughs> they they turned into these main side gigs but I, and and i'll say i've been saying this for years and much of that time It fell on deaf ears, or or people would be like, "You're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about." (laughs) But I do. I am. You know how amazing it feels moment right now. You know how amazing it feels to be so right, 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 right. I was right. I've been right. Ha ha ha. I've always said no one works 40 hours a week or 50 or 60 or whatever. That's how many hours you're expected to be at work, but you're not actively working that much. So much of that time is spent on what I call time stealers. If you do your job from home, you'll likely work less hours if you have no distractions. But, you know, it's also very isolating for some. And then for others, they are completely unable to work from home. If you're hiring for remote positions, this makes it difficult because you've no gauge on how well they can work from home other than their word. Personally, I feel like if you had somebody who was working 40 hours a week in an office You could easily dwindle that down to 30, pay them more so that it matches the the amount. And there's a great life balance there, home life balance there. And saying that, I'm going to talk about what changes I've seen in the last year. So I've noticed that people's motivation for work has changed. And I know that sounds harsh, but it's a good thing. No one settles for a regular job anymore, especially when they have lots of skills and years of experience. And it, it kind of harkens back to what I was saying, you know, thinking about what is important to you. They want to work for a company that's going to dazzle them. Uh, and I don't mean like razzle dazzle jazz hands. I mean, like they they don't want a job. They want an experience. Think about what the culture of your company is. Is it, is it somewhere you would want to work? Also, it's time you do a little research on how much the national average pay is for the positions you're hiring for. If you haven't noticed, everything's more expensive right now. (laughs) Everything's gone up in price. So, you know, maybe you're right on the money, no pun intended, and maybe what you're asking for is too low. In any case, the world's changed. And if you haven't done research, now's the time to do it. So, okay. so on to my advice on best practices. (laughs) You know what I'm going to say, right? (laughs) You know what I'm going to tell you? Document your hiring process, 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 process. If you don't have one, create one. Everyone should be hired in the same way. You won't be able to measure the quality of the hire if people are getting hired in multiple ways and all these different ways people are getting hired. You got a job, you want a job, you want a job. You can't do that. Everyone must follow the same process. Plus, the way a person is hired in sets a psychological precedent if you hired one person according to a five-step process and you hired another one by saying you got a nice smile yeah yo why don't you come and work for me that person that did not go through the five-step process is going to automatically assume that they are more special than the person that did go through that five-step process so you got to keep it the same for everyone.
1: I don't think people really think about that.
0: You mm-hmm. are basically setting expectations with your future employee,
1: assuming that yep. you do hire them on. But you're setting expectations from the moment you meet, from the mm-hmm. moment that they can start getting to know your company, from the way you post and the way you hire. And it's not really talked about, right, the psychological part of it all. It's always yeah. talked about when people are hiring, they're always talking about kind of the mechanics of what you need to do, mm-hmm. you know, the job, do the interview, ask these questions or whatnot. But,
0: the psychological component is is, is, super, is super important too. Well, that's what culture is, right? Culture stems from the psychology of your space, of how you approach one another. At cult, creating a culture in your business is both intercommunicating, successful intercommunication and success, positive psychology. That's what culture is. So if you don't have those two things when you're hiring a person, you just planted a seed for someone that you're not going to be happy with in the next few months, or maybe they're not going to be happy with you because you just created a broken pathway to a positive culture. Of course, you want someone appropriately skilled for the position, but that's not all you're doing. You have to create a culture in your company. Whether you do that intentionally or not, If you like what you've got, you have to hire a person that will match that culture. So you know, it goes along with what I was saying. If you need to share what the culture is of your company, then do it. It's good for the person to know because it might not match what they want. Also, if you hire based solely on how well they match the job requirement, you're again gonna be sorely disappointed by what you get. You gotta hire for aptitude. Someone who's motivated to learn and has a good idea of what they need to learn is to me, a thousand percent more important than a person who knows how to do it but lacks the people skills or the desire to be a part of your bigger vision it goes to the eq not so much of the iq and again that's psychology and again that's culture <laughs> so speaking of candidates don't think that only the candidates that reach out to you are the ones that are interested some people are passive and some people believe the hiring person should reach out to them there are no hard and fast rules in the way, in the process, I guess, of how a person responds to an ad. Take a look at all of the applications, reach out to the ones that speak to you. And I don't, I don't mean physically talk, I mean the ones that your gut tells you to follow up on. Lastly, you wanna build a team that will last. So don't discount who you already have. If you have an employee that could shift to a new position, if they had certain skills, consider hiring internally. And and in all honesty, if you have somebody that you know could do really well, but they just need a little bit more or they need a certification, maybe they need a little bit more education, invest in them. Of course, have a policy to protect yourself from, you know, any any wrongdoing, but invest in them. Because if you've got somebody who it wants to be in that position, just needs that one extra thing, then why hire out when you could hire in? You could even split responsibilities between persons to act on their strengths. Flexibility in the workplace is more important now than ever. It's not about just being physically there. It's about the persons that are the actual persons themselves and their their, um, offerings to be flexible. People had a taste of what it feels like on the other side, and they're not willing to let that go. So do what you need to do to make them feel like they can have one solid foot and the world you've created in your business and one solid foot in the world that they want to live in. So what were our actual hiring processes?
1: So I ended up doing most of the hiring myself and this wasn't after the fact that I've never tried recruiters or agencies. I certainly have. But what I ended up on was the fact that my company was small enough that every hire really, really mattered. And recruiting and hiring was something that I simply had to learn to take on and do it myself to kind of cut to the chase and get it right. Now, I did work with some very talented recruiters during my time at the company. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I there's definitely a place to having a recruiting company. And trust me, I would have more than happy to give that part away at some point, that hat. I don't, I didn't always need to wear that hat. But while I was kind of building the base and you know getting the right group of people to really start embodying that culture, I just felt that it was more effective for me to do it myself. Mm-hmm. So because of that, anybody who has ever posted a job online on any online platform knows the sheer number of resumes you get. People just there are people I swear that sits out there and just like shoots out resumes all the time on some <laughs> auto robot, you know yes. automation or something. So. I always had like a huge amount of resumes only because, you know, if you post a good job description and you're clear about it and you're offering kind of market salary, people will apply to your job description, like your job mm. posting. Now, whether or not they're great for it. Well, here comes the hefty part of trying to figure out how to weed, like shift through all those resumes. So I'll say what I did was to help you kind of weed out these resumes. One, I had an online application that needed to be completed. And mm-hmm. Barda's applications ask some questions, you know, kind of getting to know them questions or whatnot. Also, of course, they need to attach their resume. But the one item I also added on there was the fact that they needed to submit a um, video of themselves that was less than one. So the part about this is I really didn't go into a lot of instructions of how to submit the video. Just the fact that my online rep- uh, application required it. And if your application came in without a video, it's going to get discarded you will be surprised how many people either will not read the instructions or simply can't be bothered to attach a video not to mention the few vocal ones that are like well i can't believe like they're very indignant like i can't believe you're yeah. a video nobody's ever asked this before <laughs> yeah i'm sure there's a lot more company asking for it now than they used to <laughs> so i mean of course i was doing all this like pre-pandemic so i understand right. people aren't as comfortable as they are now. But I knew that I was building a workforce that will be working remotely and they will be client facing, which means that even pre-pandemic, I wanted to make sure that everybody who worked for me was going to present well on camera. So this uh, requirement of attaching a video for yourself was really just my test to be able to kind of weed out this large pile of resumes. One, I wanted to know, can the applicant follow instructions because. If they're not following directions on your job posting, you think they'll be following directions when they start working for you. That is true. Two, yeah. can they solve problem? Right. So back then, you know, video conferencing, online videos wasn't that huge thing. But I mean, come on, iPhones existed. It was not that hard for you to take a video of yourself. Right. There yeah. were selfies going on. There was Facebook. I mean, may have been pre-TikTok. I don't know. But there were definitely Snapchats and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So. You you could have solved the problem and figured out how to get get a video across um, by email or by link or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that was my way of seeing, you know, are they willing to go above and beyond actually like problem solve? And then third, of course, is to view the video to see do they present themselves professionally on camera? Mm-hmm. So once they are able to do all that, that actually really did kind of dramatically decrease the number of resumes I had to go through. And then I would set up video interviews for all of them for 30 minutes and this was me trying to get the vibe of how how they were and kind of probe on some of the technical skill sets to make sure they qualify for their job. And then after that, I always had my HR person interview them because I don't know if you heard us in a previous episode, I have this huge bias about uh, potential gap where mm-hmm. you know, I could really fall in love with somebody um, because I think they potentially could do it. And then my HR would be my sanity check to make sure that I didn't do anything, <laughs> that just, you know, out of the kindness of my heart. And that was not that was and it wasn't a good business decision. Right. So my HR person was there to kind of balance me out against my own bias. And then um, if I was hiring for like a manager position, I usually always had less staff do an interview as well, just mm-hmm. to see how they felt about, you know, being being managed by this person. Again, Mm -hmm. that kind of for me went more toward the culture and I wanted to make sure I was building a strong culture and not bringing in a manager that was probably like the opposite personality of all my staff. Right. And then after that, I would do the reference checks, assuming that everybody kind of gave the thumbs up along the way. And if the reference checks all worked out, I'll schedule a final 30 minute interview. If that person was a local hire, I would actually ask them to show up in person because, again, you know, we kind of had a combination of both. Um, If they were a remote hire, of course, I would just do the interview remotely on a video. And then after that, I will offer the job pending a clean background check and kind of what I did in a nutshell. Now, mind you, I only started doing that. The last year prior to me selling the business because it took me that many years to go figure out the right formula and do it right <laughs> <laughs> so there were a lot of field hires in between trust me there was a lot of field like trial and errors um but to be quite honest i think the uh there's nothing about like a lesson learned about hiring until you you had a, until you do your first firing to be quite honest yeah yeah,
0: yeah. no i agree your first firing or your first quitting you know, the first person oh, you quit it, yeah. or the first person that that you fire, and uh, <clears throat> especially when you've been in business for a while or when you have a large business, that you do have tend to have a bit of a turnover. But it is important to understand what that turnover is, and I we mentioned that I think in our either our last episode or in a previous episode to kind of figure out what your ratio is of people who are leaving doing exit interviews to um. To get a sense of why people are leaving you but that's not what we're talking about right now we're talking yeah. about yeah well the lessons
1: learned just yeah. kind of gets absorbed a lot quicker and faster when you have to yeah. to the first firing and your first quit yeah yeah of all that but yeah. yeah no i guess the point was the fact that i didn't come up with this best practice out of thin air it was a, little yeah. little a lot of trial and errors in between there so how about you well, samana what is what was your what was kind of your um process
0: Well, uh, so before I get into that, I I just want to let our listeners know that it's probably important for you to write the stuff down again if you're able to, because if you don't already have a process, Chloe has shared hers, I'm going to share mine. If you don't have a process, I think somewhere between the two of ours, whatever feels good to you. Is a great place for you to start in creating a process. So, well, I like um, what you said
1: before too. It's important for you to be consistent between, yes. your, you know, how you're hiring because Absolutely. otherwise, you it's too much noise and too much distractions if you're doing it differently, even down to the interview
0: questions. It should be yes. fairly consistent between people. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, t- you know, take it for what it's worth. Consider consider this process for yourself. You know, somewhere in between the two of these, I think you you'd be on a good Um, On a good path. So first, I have a preliminary interview over the phone. I have pre-written preliminary questions and a template for inviting persons to an interview. I kind of cut and paste it in to, uh, to invite them for an interview. If the prelim goes well, we go ahead and schedule an interview. Uh, these days, interviews are being done widely through Zoom. And I kind of like it because I record them. I always ask for permission, but I record them and can go back to them afterwards and review, which has been very helpful since I am currently in hiring mode. And I forget what some people say. So it's good for me to be able to go back and and take a listen and and reread a person's body language. I'm really liking doing it like this before I used to meet with them in person. But And I mean, that's an option, uh, but I really like this. So I have a set of questions I ask for the main interview. uh, But before I begin, I like to uh, chit chat a little to make them feel more comfortable and to break the ice. Um, And for the main interview, I have pre-written questions. I also have a grading system to kind of grade them on how I feel about how they answered that question. Uh, if the main interview goes well, I then send them a proficiency test. Um, that proficiency test gives me an idea of where they are, are on the scale of, you know, aptitude. It's basically an aptitude test. And, and then I also send them three personality tests because that goes back to how do they communicate? Intercommunication is very important to me. So how do they communicate and how do they process communication? Is my personality going to grate on their personality? That's why I do those personality tests. Uh, And then they in turn will send me three references. I have tests for each of my positions and my personality tests are best based on who they are to better find their love language. So um, while I wait on that, I call the references and I have a form with with uh, pre written out questions for those references that I ask with each call. Uh, I fill out it. I just do them on Google form. It keeps it. I try to keep it um, well documented. So then I, again, can go back uh, afterwards. After asking those prepared questions, I can go back to those forms and review what it is that people said about each candidate. It's very helpful when you're hiring um, for more than one position. If it all comes back great, then I do a background check. And if that comes back and I'm happy, then I offer the job. It's the same process for everyone. It's the same process I use for recruiting uh, for my clients. And I've been pretty successful thus far, and I find it's pretty easy to follow and to execute
1: it's very nice i i like the part that you were saying about having consistent questions when you're asking for references i had mm-hmm. the same thing too i had a form that i filled out because like you said you can, you just want to be consistent across the board mm-hmm. otherwise it's, it's pretty hard to evaluate one one candidate against another when you're asking all different questions mm-hmm. but that that uh reference sheet with kind of the interview questions already listed out that was that was definitely very helpful
0: hmm definitely so In each episode, we like to connect a famous example to our discussion to help you relate our talking points on a more global or well-recognized scale. Sometimes we use exact examples of either famous persons or successful business owners of today or in history. And sometimes we use examples of people who inspire us and have inspired today's discussion. So um, I think I might have all of the examples here. <laughs> you do. You are a much better student this this round. <laughs> well, you know, I, I did have to do some research. I did have to do some research because this is a little bit more difficult of a, uh, I guess a topic to find um, find companies that excel in a way in which I felt they would be perfect examples for our our smaller Uh, Smaller businesses or you know more realistic businesses. So I found a a few and I utilized uh, Greenhouse.io and there some of the things that they had said. So that's where my I'm pulling my inspiration from. So uh, first off, I Booking.com really impressed me and how they attract candidates. And according to Greenhouse.io, candidates can explore career options and watch videos introducing their prospective teammates check out a day in the life at various offices, and even learn about how certain product decisions were made. There are blog posts, photos, videos, infographics, and working at booking content available on pretty much any social media platform you can think of. The site also addresses common candidate questions and concerns and provides tips on how to excel in the interview process. There's even an option to create a job alert so a candidate who doesn't find the right role open right now can be notified when something relevant comes up. So another one that I thought was really cool was um, Slack because Slack focuses mm. on diversity and in, inclusion. And um, there, after okay, after publicly sharing the company's ethnic and gender makeup and its strategies for improving diversity and inclusion, it gained attention from mainstream news, which published how Slack got ahead of diversity. Now this was all prior to it becoming a hot topic. They were doing this quite a bit before it started to become an, uh, a component of HR. Um, in addition to reworking job descriptions with more inclusive phrases like care deeply and build relationships, Slack eliminated whiteboard interviews, which it can cause extra stress for people from underrepresented backgrounds, and replace them with blind code reviews. So not only does this help eliminate stereotype threat, but it assures candidates will be judged fairly. So candidates are also given the option to perform their assessment on site, and that's a practice that Practice that's more inclusive for people who care for family members at home. Wow, that's because, interesting. Yeah, I know. Real so, slack. I know. I mean, to be honest, the list goes on. Uh, there's quite a few large businesses that do this, and and to be honest, I can understand that they can do things like this because they do have pretty deep pockets. But there are some ways in which you can utilize some of the things that these companies do, like NerdWallet. You could look them up. NerdWallet has also a fantastic process for hiring, and DocuSign. DocuSign has a fantastic um, process as well. So if you got if you've got a minute, take a look at them, including Airbnb. Airbnb- Airbnb is totally winning on our podcast, may I say.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> I do appreciate them so much. They are the yeah. reason why I can travel as much as
0: I do. I mean, That's really. So, so <clears throat> Airbnb storyboards the candidate experience very similar to the way that they bring in clientele. Mm-hmm. It is such a different way of doing it. So if you have time... Uh, to draw inspiration, look up Airbnb, look up Booking, look up NerdWallet, um, look up DocuSign and see if any of what they do could help you in building a, a hiring culture, which in turn will, you know, turn into an office culture.
1: Yeah, so the interesting thing is, and you, you made a good point because these companies are really big, right? So, mm-hmm. of course, they have deep pockets to, you know, boost off their recruiting department to kind of create all these uh, extra tools to help recruit um, or source candidates rather. I I would say, too, though, just, you know, something to consider. A lot of the stuff isn't as hard as it sounds anymore because we have so much technology at our fingertips. Your Mm -hmm. iPhone can do so much. I never I never got a chance to do this, but I was kind of gearing towards that because I ended up selling a company before I did. But one of the things I wanted to do and I saw this on one of the company's websites and I can't remember. It could have been like a zip recruiter or like it was some website where I saw their recruiting video. And it was really cool because the point of their video was to showcase what their company culture is. And. Honestly, you don't need a professional videographer to do that for you anymore. You have, you have an iPhone, you have a Android, they have amazing cameras and amazing videos. And there's a lot of great video editing software that makes things really easy. And it, is as simple as having some of your staff ask them questions, have them answer it, you know, really show off kind of if it's a playful atmosphere, you know show off a playful video, you know things like that that these days you, you can do it. You just got to get a little creative, um, mm-hmm. maybe spend an extra hour on it or whatnot. but it, it's not as hard as it used to be where you know companies like these, you had to pay you know, professional marketing people, professional recruiters like a lot of money to create all this content for you. you mm-hmm. can really do a lot
0: of this automation yourself, which is great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's actually a great segue <laughs> to recommendations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With each episode, we like to share either books, tools, apps, platforms, or anything we think is a great next step and connector to our discussion. So if you like our subject matter and want to learn more, you'll have a great place to start.
1: <laughs> See how we did that? I oh, That God was little. so smooth. <laughs> So I think I gave away one of my recommendations already, but I, I have a couple more. Um, I know that when I was when I was kind of shifting around all the different platforms, I ended up using ZipRecruiter quite a bit. And part of it was also because I was a small business. And yes, I paid for it. ZipRecruiter isn't the cheapest thing on earth. But I think for what they were able to do and how targeted their um, posting and ability to reach candidates were, it was really worth my time because, again, I wasn't paying somebody to source my candidates. I needed I needed another way to actually source the people I wanted to interview. And ZipRecruiter was kind of a nice balance um, for that and really easy to use. Um, I was assigned uh, a, a person on my account, a rep on my account, and he literally helped me figure out how to walk through the whole ZipRecruiter platform because mm-hmm. I was intimidated as hell because there was like a million things to press but he set everything up for me. We were able to target different areas of, you know, and I was going back to the point we were talking about earlier of the advantages of being able to hire in different locations from where your company is. If, you're, if your company is based in a city that is incredibly, you know, has an incredibly high standard of living, like Savannah, Savannah and I are, then you can actually recruit out to other places where they have a lower standard of living, but you have equally good talent and you can probably afford to pay more for according to where they are but it still be less than the market value of your current city and you get a great benefit in there they do a great job for you they're getting paid more than what they would be anywhere else uh, mm-hmm. according to where they live and you're getting great talent for what is less than the market price you would have to pay to recruit around your city so that's what we did with ZipRecruiter is we ended up honing in on certain cities that we knew had a lower uh, cost of living but they weren't a small city either they just yeah. were cheaper than the the area we were in. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was, that was really helpful. And then plus they had the online application. So, you know, every person had to answer the exact questions and then you can, you know, do it so that, you know, if somebody decides to skip a question, then their, their stuff gets like, you know, hidden and discarded. So it kind of helps you read through a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing about personalities, somebody just actually introduced this to me recently. I didn't use personality testing in my, um, recruiting process, but I really wish I did Mm -hmm. because, uh, of all the good things you've been saying about us, to be quite honest. Um, I really wish I did, but I guess I was kind of like the the gauge of personalities at that point, um, in, in that time. But eventually we would have incorporated that because it's just, it's just a wealth of information to understand the personalities you're hiring and making sure that they all fit into your company. So yeah. somebody just introduced me 16personalities.com. Have mm-hmm. you ever heard of that? Yes. It's like, I'm sure this is scientifically wrong, but it kind of feels like Myers-Briggs on steroids.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it is Myers-Briggs on steroids, yes.
1: Basically, yeah. And yeah. it goes into, you know, it still gives you the four letters, but the way they interpret it and what it means and how you work with other people and how you take feedback and all that stuff, It's it's really good information and plus mm-hmm. it's absolutely free so uh that's- that's why I have it as one of my recommendations. I didn't use it myself, but I highly recommend other people to have personality tests as part of their interviewing process.
0: I have used it, and I do like it a lot um, yes, agreed, mhm.
1: All right. How about you? What do you? What? I'm sure you have plenty of recommendations.
0: Golly, so many. So I do agree with you with 16 personalities and Zip Recruiter. Um, I also would like to add to that Truity. It's T R U I T Y. That has a great number of um, inexpensive, what I consider very inexpensive. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, personality tests. That you can buy and it includes desk assessments as well. So, uh, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, I'll say that in my research uh, to see what there is outside of my own knowledge, I found a dizzying number of tools and platforms that, you know, to be honest, I couldn't choose from. I couldn't choose from. There were so many. Uh, so I I think that our listeners ought to go to uh, builtin.com slash recruiting slash recruitment dash tools. This is where I found 76 recruitment tools that are new for 21. That's what I'm saying. I was like, uh. (laughs) Okay, This one I will remember to put in the show notes. Yes, please put that in the show notes. It's the best list I have. I have seen and they have it broken out on where you are in the process. So so basically the what they have it is, is are you in the brand new part of the hiring stage? Are you in the background check hiring Are you in the references part? Are you you know, where where are you? And it gives you uh, the different types of tools there are for that. But there's also different types of tools for different types of industries. It's really cool. Um, it, it it goes against what your needs are, what kind of position you're hiring for, what um, when it comes to sites to post jobs on. You know, of course, you can't go wrong with Indeed, but you should also consider LinkedIn and Facebook groups, depending on the type of position you're hiring for. Um, If you live near a college like I do, oftentimes they'll have a program for the recent graduates you can tap into. There may even be an economic development center or an executive enterprise program that you could tap into. Uh, Personally, I have there have been positions that a Facebook group is fantastic for. And then there are other positions that Indeed is good for or LinkedIn is good for. You know, I kind of judge it based on what is it that I'm hiring for to see where could I find that clientele? I mean, social media well, all of that is to me social media. Um, how I've how I've mentioned it before, like social media is like uh, house parties. Hiring somebody is like the people that are at those house parties. What kind of person are you looking to meet up with at that house party? <laughs> so, you know, you pick this the platform according to the kind of candidate you think you want to attract. Please join us for our next episode where we will discuss enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think of me? (laughs) We will share our most impactful lessons, our inspirations, and dig a little deeper into what makes us tick. Want to ask a question, leave a comment, or become a sponsor for a future episode of The Business Behind Small Business? Click on the link in the show notes and fill out the form. Until next time, thanks. Bye.